This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell, TSO president and CEO, Zach Vassar, and we also have principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. Now, we don't have a special guest today, so usually I have like a little theme music for them or a, fan a little fair. fanfare. <laughs> yeah, instead I'm going to play this. See if you remember this, oh. right? This, this is, is for you, Elaine. This is your oh, walk-up yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah your, your walk-up music. And the reason that we're doing a little salute to you, I mean, this whole season is about saluting you oh. and, your, <laughs> and your five years oh. at the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about the Jazz Orchestra, Toledo Jazz Orchestra. You are the artistic director, Elaine, of the TJO, I guess I can say. T-J-O. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You've got a concert tomorrow night, Thursday, November 17th at 8 o'clock p.m., The Great American Songbook. This is obviously not from The Great no. American Songbook. <laughs> <laughs> Music in the background. Anyway, let me let me bring that down. Yay! Okay. So that is your fanfare, Elaine. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about this concert. There's also a concert happening on Saturday with the wonderful singer Lettucey, who's doing a tribute to Nina Simone. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. For right now, we're going to talk about this uh, concert that's happening tomorrow, The Great American Songbook. You know, that is a big subject. Why don't we start with, Elaine, tell us about The Great American Songbook. What is The Great American Songbook? So a Canadian's going to tell you about the Great American Songbook. <laughs> <laughs> Wish me Why not? Okay, okay. Here, here. I've got, I've got some music for oh, you. Fat. Yeah. Very nice and fat and good sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell us what is the Great American Songbook? <laughs> well, to my humble opinion, it's a. Uh, you know. It's actually, you know, it's. I have an opinion from afar, being uh, from another country. Yeah. As you see, it's like, you know, you take the ensembles, like, for example, they're like songs, the leader, you know, like you go to Europe, you say the Schubert, uh, you take Schumann, they're the leader, and some of the folk songs and all that. And, and when you come to America, jazz, I mean, it's incredible because it's a typical, it's the, the American culture. It's not, you know, other people join in. But yeah. it's not it's not our culture. I mean, it's the American, uh, you know, it's an American, how could I say, uh, an invention. But you know, it's it's something that is typically and very specifically with the uniqueness of it. You know, when you talk about uh, how do you call the American, um, n- not uniqueness, but there's a name for that. Uh, exceptionalism. Yes, exactly. Yes. American exceptionalism is actually the mix of how. You can work as a group, but be exceptional on on your own also. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in jazz. So the band, you know, because we talk about all the soloists in jazz, we also talk about the great big bands in jazz and yeah. the great songwriters. And also, it it you put together all these incredible musicians and composers that came uh, at the turn of the 20th century and from Europe, a lot from Eastern Europe, and and the two wars. They came over, changed their name, worked in the Tin Pan Alley also, the beginning, you know, first part of the century, and mixed all their culture. Uh, It's like they put their color on this American, you know, culture. And all of this together, it's so, so, so rich. So for me, it's something that's absolutely amazing as 
uh, it has as much uh, quality uh, and as much value as uh, the classical side of it. And you're, yeah. some people might listen to it and say, Alain, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. No, <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, you go from, of course, we think Gershwin, we think Cole Porter. Uh, and you and I had a little discussion off air. And I said, you know, I said, it's not the, the pop music. No, no, it's really... The, the essence like classical music of here you know it's like we, yeah. we listen to Bartok and say such incredible melodies and all that he said well he went around all the neighbor countries and all that and he collected their folk song you know and this is an oral tradition like you know people know these American folk song if you want if you will you know there's a countryside to it but there's there's all of this is a big melting pot so again melting pot exceptionalism you yeah. know the work together people from Europe bringing a little flavor to it a little uh, color to it that how more american can it be you know well that's the uh, that's the canadian opinion let's hear the um, the american version of the story (laughs) (laughs) gosh i don't i don't know that i have anything to add to that um the the truth is i mean jazz is just in our fiber Mm -hmm. and um, there's something. I mean, it's wildly improvisational, but it's also it's 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 complicated, but in a way that can be easily passed off to others within an ensemble. And I love that because um, whenever you see live jazz, it, it's 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 not um, it's not prescripted. Um, there, or that's not the word I meant to say. It's not prescribed. There we go. <laughs> um, uh, you end up having this moment of of creativity in the moment. And um, you don't know where it's going to end up. And I love watching that because uh, the chords are all there. The structure is there. But you can go off in wild fantasies and then come all back together. And there's that feeling of coming back together. That's just an explosion sometimes. And that feels really American in its own way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what Elaine was saying, basically. I mean, we're obviously in agreement on that. It's exceptional. I mean, it's, you know, this structure that we do together, we play the tune together, and then it's you, and then it's me. It's, oh, no, it's really amazing. Yeah. Now, let's say the American Songbook, or the Great American Songbook, because, you know... Do you, do you have a copy of it? Those, <laughs> I, I well, didn't bring mine. here's the thing. It, it, if you pretended it was sitting in front of you right now, what, which song is your go-to song from the Great American yeah. Songbook? Well, we have a bunch of go-to songs, but if you talk about the book, it's it's like it's like gal- it's like the space, like the galaxy. It's ever-expanding, right? Uh, so yeah. there's a new one coming in uh, every day, you know, because uh, some of them are like classics or some things that you keep you know singing to yourself of course a lot of them for us I mean I, I think Zach and I have similar taste that will be more jazz will be more like uh, things from the, the 40s the 50s uh, you know for, for me like one of my favorite favorite ones is uh, I'll Be Seeing You mm-hmm. I love that one that one gets me all the time Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it also has the sentimentalism you know what you have and the exceptionalism the sentimentalism yeah. the, it basically if, I'd, if it has more than 11 word, uh, 11 letters <laughs> <laughs> okay well, the Elaine Trudeau rule we've got the trombone mouthpiece named for you and now we have a rule well mine goes to 11 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well played your, your speaker your amplifier. Um, yeah. Do you remember the the Ella Fitzgerald songbooks? I remember the album sets. I mean, they were they were records and records and records long. Um, but it would just be one songwriter, mm-hmm. and 
then you would go get the next songbook. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the Gershwin one was endless. I mean, yeah. it's like 80 songs. Yeah. Or, and then or, you, yeah. Go, you go to uh, Harold Arlen or you go to any of the other songbooks that she was, uh, she was recording. And, I, I mean, you can't listen to any of those and say that they don't represent some element of jazz history. Yeah, totally. But there are two more things we can add to this. Like, for example, if you go on the Blue Note collection of the American Songbook, you know, like you have the, the four albums, then another four CDs. Well, you know, for those who remember what CDs are. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a thing for jazz musicians, like what we share together, there's a thing that's called the real book. Mm-hmm. And in the real book, there's about a thousand tunes. And uh, they're just what we call lead sheets. So it's basically the the, the tune with a bunch of chords, you know, letters of the chords, like A major, uh, F7, that kind of thing. Is that also like a fake book kind the, of thing? The fake book is actually, uh, the, there's a fake book, there's a real book. One is as Charlie Parker tunes. <laughs> and, and the fake book is because, you know, you only have the lead sheet, right? So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a joke when you call it the fake book. It's because okay. you, you have the structure, like what Zach was talking about. You have the structure, the, the chords, the melody, and we all agree on that. So we count it in. Like when we play, uh, when we were playing at Lucille's, the first time I met the rhythm section of the jazz orchestra, because we're talking about the jazz orchestra, I have yeah. to remember. So, because yeah. now we're just talking about the tunes, right? But the first time I met the rhythm section, before saying hello, you know, well, just after saying hello, even without remembering our names, we were on stage and just counting off the first tune that we're going to play uh, from the fake book, you know? Uh, so real you, book you planned to actually perform. You didn't just, like, walk into a bar and say, hey, there's a rhythm <laughs> section <laughs> Yeah, the but, the, but the only thing we planned is I send them a bunch of names. I said, okay, yeah. we'll do... Uh, you know, you know, I don't know, you'd be so nice, all the things you are, some samba, some this, you know. Uh, and then we walk on stage, are you A, or A, okay, we're doing C minor, okay, good, go, you know. Do you ever, like, have to flip through the pages and figure out, you know, find the, the piece that you're playing? I mean, doesn't that get a little messy sometimes? Well, at the beginning, yeah, but, you know, to to have, like, your street cred, you're not supposed to <laughs> uh, to look at the book too much, right? Ah, okay. So you have to know, you have to know all those progressions, and they're built, the, the skeleton of it is what we call, like, two one fives, you know, like, second degree, fifth, uh, pum, 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 you know, <laughs> but but it's a it's a way more complicated than that, but that's the basis of it, and that's what you study forever. So it's like, when you study jazz, you're, it's like you're studying uh, history and composition and American history at the same time. That's what's yeah. so beautiful about it. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you about, you know, your perspective, your three different perspectives here as a classical music aficionado, as a, a, a jazz, you know, a trombonist. And I forgot the third one. But we'll just say there's two <laughs> things that we're going to talk about. But before we get to that... Um, well, that was the most important. <laughs> yeah. Merwin has been sitting there quietly playing on his phone. Merwin, you have a favorite... Uh, you, you, you know that you're on the podcast, right? The microphone is open. This is... I don't know. I think I have to say that my view of the Great American Songbook might want to eventually be cut out of this podcast, <laughs> so be prepared. I actually think it's really interesting. When we think about the history of jazz, there's this extraordinary um, legacy, and so much of it is rooted in the African-American traditions. Mm. But when you think of the Great American Songbook... It's pretty darn white. Like, there's some great Duke Ellington. There's some Fats Waller's part of it. Yeah. But you know, I I think this hmm. pairing 
of the Great American Songbook and Nina Simone is really intriguing for me because I think it it it's really interesting for me because I think it makes us think about the way canon is created. Yeah. If you think about the idea of the Great American Songbook, that's a canon being created in real time. And I think it's really interesting to look at jazz history and the Great American Songbook, and they are, of course, incredibly intertwined, but there is a sense of canonization and there is a sense of artists who were not necessarily able to find their place in the Great American Songbook, but are huge parts of jazz history. And Lettucey singing Nina, I think really shines an interesting spotlight on those two things. Yeah, it is interesting. And what you're saying, I mean, could be said about almost any Absolutely. genre of music, it's, especially classical music. Yes, but I think okay. that, you know, the kind of the idea of the creation of canon is something that we don't often get to see happening, you know, in real time. And like, mm-hmm. in a way, we've this is a canon that's been created within living memory so to speak yeah. and so i i actually find the juxtaposition of the two concerts really really intriguing and it's certainly you know people in a classical music um landscape can't necessarily throw stones <laughs> in this sort of thing i mean uh, but like i do i i'm so intrigued to kind of like you know kind of see these different slants on really kind of amazing figures in history well let me bring it full circle because if we're talking about nina simone you know she also was she was trained as a classical pianist i mean that Mm -hmm. was where her beginning came from and you hear uh, the influence of classical music in her music as well and there's this great video of her playing one of her songs i can't remember what it is in the middle, she launches into this Bach-like fugue on the, pa- on the piano, and then she comes back, you know, for the next verse of her song. I mean, really a remarkable artistry. But there was somebody who was obviously rooted somewhat in the classical tradition, mm-hmm. which carries all of this weight and all this baggage as well. Mm-hmm. And to see her as an artist of color sort of touching on that and being influenced by it. And it was something that she, you know, pursued with great avidity and really wanted to be able to pursue classical studies but a lot of those doors were not open for for Nina Simone and so I think so um, there's something that's very poignant about I think a hall that was kind of built kind of around the time that you know you know she would have been trying to you know kind of get in I mean let's face it the peristyle is a very classical hall it's rooted in you know classical architecture and this was something that was you know that you know nina simone you know extraordinarily well rooted and well studied in that tradition but not fully accepted in that tradition and i think there's something very poignant about lettucey singing nina in the paris style Mm -hmm. to me that that there's it's it's something that you know there's a bittersweetness about that that I think we talk about so many American legacies, and this is one of them. Well, it's quite an onion that you've absolutely. set before us to be peeled. And we're not going to peel that onion <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, because that would be long. Well, no, I I absolutely. absolutely. And I also, I also felt, you know, like if we wanted to kind of take this five-minute segment and not use it, I totally am comfortable with that. Oh, but, there's but, no cutting in Symphony Lab. You know that. <laughs> the we, last we, minute, Mike. We've said that before. 
It's not going to happen. Each time I listen to it, it's uh, integral. It's exactly as we did. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's true because I don't agree with you on that one. You know, but I because I, but I think there's a very different sense of jazz history and the great American. No, no, song I understand. Think of the great American song, part. but a big part of it is like yeah. it's very American. Also, is the interpretation true. of the songs that By make it great. American songbook, that's and that's like you know eighty uh, percent African uh, American that true. that made all those eighty five. You know, yeah. I'm just leaving a little bit of space uh, for uh, for a few of my my other <laughs> singers, yeah. but uh, and the interpretation makes it that it becomes an American songbook. I mean, yeah. that, and and that kind of otherwise they would stay like you know if you take for example Body and Soul. From the 1923 from yeah. uh, musical, it stays there. It doesn't go anywhere if you don't have the body, uh, the, the the Billy Holiday and, and the the other people singing that, mm-hmm. Carmen McRae. You know, it doesn't become what we call American songbook. So there's a lot. I mean, you know, there's not a song, a lot of song from uh, from other musicals because they weren't reserved, re- yeah. reinterpreted in that sense. So I think there's. Uh, as important and also that's also very American it's not necessarily what you're doing but how you're doing it you know I don't know about that but uh, of course your point is extremely valid but But uh, but it's not mine it is also really interesting in that you know I did approach it very much from a classical sense where you think so much of the composers and in the when you think about the legacy of classical music the composers come up first more than the performers and with jazz you're bridging a legacy where and 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 in a lot of popular music nowadays the the songwriter is almost you know is is less important than the performer for sure like so i think i think it's really interesting well if i say lover man you're gonna see billy holiday nobody will be able to say the composer right it's gonna be like (laughs) no no but that's a good i'm not better than anyone else but i'm you know so it's uh, if you take if you take duke out of the equation Mm. It's 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 hard to see that. Uh, if it's all right, then you say, "Oh, Ella Fitzgerald." Yeah, it's all right by me. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's really iconic interpretation that builds this. Mm-hmm. It's an oral tradition, right? It's uh, yeah. It's more of an oral tradition. It's very very different than classical music in that sense. You know. Um, well, let's not start an argument here. So <laughs> oh, no, I, I, no, think... it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. It <laughs> no, was a really nice. good discussion. I yeah. Yeah. It's good it's, to have discussion. It's really interesting to notice those distinctions between mm. like how how traditions are created and how canons are created and I think that's something that as you know organizations partner like as the symphony partners with the jazz orchestra as the symphony is allying with the ballet the way that these different traditions come to be those are those are the most interesting opportunities but those are also the points of tension and yeah. that that's and i think kind of like not acknowledging that is you know i, I it's I, th- I think it's interesting to acknowledge them. I think well, it's I think interesting. It's very to healthy. healthy. It's very healthy, also. Well, I mean, and that's you know. part of the purpose of this program yeah. is to shine a light on those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely food for thought. Um, I think we should go to my quiz now because, <laughs> there, I, you know, uh, now that you've said all of that, Merwin, I'm looking over it for uh, composers and musicians of color, and I found <laughs> maybe two out of these. So. Heads up on the quiz. This is a, a gas quiz, Great American Songbook quiz. A couple weeks ago, we had the BS quiz or whatever it was, and now we have the gas quiz. So I feel like Jan- Janet Amid would 
approve. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is an inside joke for long-term listeners to <laughs> Symphony Lab. I was the gassy giant, something like that. Yeah. And you were a genius, as I remember. <laughs> Not oh, at how, this quiz, Look I how won't. wrong she was in both. <laughs> yeah. And, and Zach, you had great job prospects. Remember, you were... Yeah, and yeah. I think this was pre-Elaine, so you, yeah. weren't, you weren't around. Uh, I think she was actually saying that I would meet Elaine Trudell, and oh. then he <laughs> would then have great jobs. Job I think that's how it Yeah, went. something like that. Anyway, I have some music. Okay, so there are eight questions to this quiz. I'm going to give you options for answers. We're going to go all the way through it, through the eight questions, through the options, and then we'll come back with the answers, Okay. Question number one, who wrote the lyrics for White Christmas? Was it Ira Gershwin? Was it Oscar Hammerstein II? Or was it Irving Berlin? Number two, who said this person was the greatest songwriter who has ever lived? Now that's a two-part answer, so you say the person that, that said it and the person that it was about. Is it A, George Gershwin said it about Irving Berlin? Is it B, Irving Berlin said it about George Gershwin? Or is it C? George Gershwin said it about George Gershwin. <laughs> okay. Which on the following list have not recorded the song Luck Be a Lady? Is it Marlon Brando, Barbara Streisand, or D. Snyder? You know who D. Snyder is from Twisted Sister? Okay. I know that wasn't a you know, great American songbook genre, but it was pretty close. Heavy metal, much, right? <laughs> okay. Which, uh, oh, name this song and its original titles. So I'm going to give you three clues. It was first recorded in 1954 by Kay Ballard. It was a hit for Frank Sinatra in the 60s. That's uh, Zach, that's like the poor man's Mahler for you, right? <laughs> Mentioning Sinatra. And finally, Sinatra's recording of it became closely associated with the Apollo 11 moon landing. Okay, so you have to come up with the actual name of that song. Okay, who is the most recorded jazz composer of all time? Would it be Thelonious Monk? Would it be Duke Ellington? Or would it be John Coltrane, the most recorded jazz composer of all time? As a performer, as a writer? Um, either, as a writer, composer, yeah. And then this George Gershwin song was named the most recorded song in history by the Guinness Book of World Records in 2017 with 67,591 covers since it was written in the 1930s. Is it, oh, I have to give you the options, okay. (laughs) Is it summertime, is it I Got Rhythm, or is it Embraceable You, A, B, or C? And here's one that I skipped, so we may switch the time around when I come back. Um, what TV show has not featured Luck Be a Lady in it? Would that be The Simpsons, Doctor Who, or The Flash? Which one has not featured Luck Be a Lady? Can you repeat the choices, please? Okay, the choices are The Simpsons, yeah. Doctor Who, and The Flash. Okay, thank you. Okay, and finally, our final question. Who was the earliest known jazz trombonist? Was it William Cornish? Was it Eddie Edwards? Or was it Buddy Bolden? A, B, or C? (laughs) You're supposed to know this, Elaine. No idea. (laughs) I feel so much better. (laughs) 
That's what the I, internet is I, for, I, right? right? I thought you'd like a tricky uh, Joe, so Joe Sam or something like that. Yeah. Wow, okay, that you're no, going I'm, all the way back. I'm not that, that tricky, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> so let's go back hmm. to the beginning. Yep. Good quiz, Brad. Who wrote the lyrics for White Christmas? Well, we know who wrote the music, Irving Berlin, but... Irving Berlin also wrote the yeah, words, yes. as he did for most of his songs. Everybody get that? Yep. Zach, did you get it? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay, who said this person was the greatest songwriter who has ever lived? Was it George Gershwin talking about Irving Berlin? Irving Berlin about George Gershwin? Or George Gershwin about George Gershwin? A, B, or C? The answer is C. A. A. Uh, <laughs> got it. It's a Canadian answer. A. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why Elaine got it. Yeah. George Gershwin said about Irving Berlin. So, Elaine, you were the only one that got that? Yeah. Okay, you're in the lead. Which person on this list has not recorded the song Luck Be a Lady? Well, Marlon Brando recorded it because he was the original Guy Masterson. Then uh, Barbara Streisand also recorded Uh, it. uh, Yeah. She did like a weird kind of Calypso, Bossa Nova version of it. And uh, Dee Snyder has actually also recorded it as a duet. So the answer is all of the above, all of them. You are tricky. Yeah, (laughs) Dee Snyder from the heavy metal band Twisted Sister, he did it as a duet with Clay Aiken on one of his albums called Dee Does Broadway in 2012. I know we're all going to rush out and grab that album right away. I just downloaded it. Yeah, (laughs) Dee Does Broadway. By the end of the podcast, we'll, we'll have it. Uh, now we're going to skip around. What TV show has not featured Luck Be a Lady in it? Um, in The Simpsons, Homer sings Luke Be a Jedi <laughs> instead of Luck Be a Lady. But you can imagine how that went. In Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston actually sings a verse of it in one of the episodes. And the answer is The Flash because there was an episode entitled Luck Be a Lady, but they didn't sing the song. So the answer there is The Flash. Did anybody choose The Flash? No. No? No. Okay, Elaine is still in the lead. Name this song in its original title, first recorded by Kay Ballard, a Frank Sinatra hit, closely associated with the Apollo 11 moon landing. What do you say, Zach? Fly me to the moon. That's right. Everybody get that? Nope. Wow. So Elaine is totally in the lead. Merwin, is, you're falling behind, Merwin. All right. This wasn't a great Canadian song for a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I should, I'm going to do a quiz where all the answers are A. <laughs> okay. A lot of Gordon, a lot of Gordon Lightfoot and Marie. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> Marie. Now, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. She's a okay. son of Marie. Yeah. Huh. Who is the most recorded jazz composer of all time? Thelonious Monk, Duke Ellington, or John Coltrane? What do you say, uh, Elaine? I forgot your name for a second. Sorry, <laughs> I almost called you Merwin. What do you say, Elaine? Well, the thing is that it should be Duke Ellington, and I feel it was a, I felt it was a trick question. I think but, it's Duke Ellington. But I, I still that, went with Duke Ellington. I, put that Duke yeah. Ellington. I still went with Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington is yeah. correct. Okay, good. Yeah. Most recorded jazz composer of all time was Duke Ellington. I almost went like, oh, it's a trick question because around midnight, maybe it's yeah. that. No. Well, number two is Thelonious Monk. No. Yeah, you have to and, stick with, uh, yeah. with Duke. Okay, this George Gershwin song is the most recorded song in history named by the Guinness Book of World Records as that. 67,591 covers since it was first written in the 1930s. Summertime, I Got Rhythm, or Embraceable You. Who voted for A, Summertime, 
all three of you. <laughs> You're right. It's summertime. It's had that many covers. I can't believe how many thousands of versions have been recorded of that song. That's crazy. Okay. Well, you know, the living is easy. Yeah, so they say. Last question is, who was the earliest known jazz trombonist? Was it William Cornish, Eddie Edwards, or Buddy Bolden? This is a trombone question, Elaine, so you got to, you know, even if you're guessing, it's got to be correct. It is B. You're right. Eddie Edwards. (laughs) And I put all on the 18. Yeah, you put all your chips on that, yeah. Excellent. I have to say, Elaine, you are the quiz winner today. Congratulations to you. The answer was actually uh, C, but you just said that because you wanted Elaine to be better. No, C, uh, what's his name? He I had no yeah. idea about those three trombones, yeah. and I'm going to go and check all of them out. Well, Buddy Bolden had is his it? own band, yeah. but he was a trumpeter, right? Oh, and he worked with William Cornish, who was a trombonist, but he wasn't the first like well-known jazz trombonist. That and he also, would... don't forget, raised game hens. Yes. <laughs> That's Borden, isn't it? Oh, that's milk. <laughs> they raise cows. There. No editing. I'm going to add that to my soundboard just as a reminder. No editing. So uh, Eddie Edwards was also with the original Dixieland jazz band. You know, oh, so he stretches mm-hmm. all the way back to that. Anyway, Elaine, you are the winner of the quiz, so you can no longer say that Merwin wins every quiz. But I dedicate my win to Merwin. <laughs> I mean, he's inspired me. I like to thank my parent, my agent, and Merwin too. Yeah, <laughs> that was the shortest acceptance speech ever. <laughs> I'm impressed. I was trying to hear the music. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. <laughs> Here we get some music to play out. <laughs> I'll start. Put it after. Okay, okay go ahead. Well, I'd like to thank uh, my, my my parents. I'd like to thank my agent, Merwin Sue, and I. Oh, I'm played out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens on Toledo Symphony Lab. Let's go back and talk briefly about this concert tomorrow. Yeah. It's the uh, Toledo Jazz Orchestra, and Elaine, you are performing as well as uh, directing the orchestra. You're the artistic director, yeah. but you're also putting on your trombone hat. you got a couple of singers coming in as well. That's another difference when you lead a jazz orchestra. You you usually play as well. I have n- Not in all the numbers, but you know, if you think Duke Ellington played, uh, Count Basie played some. <laughs> the, yeah. the, 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 the tom- but he could actually really play right it's just a a thing that he did but you know Menard Ferguson same thing Uh, so uh, very rarely they they didn't play so yeah so in that concert actually the American songbook we have two of the um, two of our most wonderful singers here we have uh, Kim Bueller and Ramona Collins Mm -hmm. so they're superstars uh, in our community but not just in our community you think you know Kim, she worked like closely with John Hendricks. That's mm-hmm. a legend, and uh, like yeah. you know, and Ramona, of course, she was named what uh, three times uh, the best in Toledo, uh, singing uh, with shame so shows with Gladys Knight. And I mean, we're talking about like major, major talents that everybody know. I don't need to yeah. talk too much about it, but they're, they're wonderful. So they will each do a set, and they will sing together as well. Wow. And the jazz orchestra will be playing some because. American Songbook, I also want to bring back some of our, you know, 
the versions, different versions of uh, favorite tunes that, that we have mm-hmm. also. So we'll be playing Stella by Starlight, Take the A Train. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that's part of the, the American Songbook, but they will be instrumental. So it's a great mix of things. And, you know, this is an incredible jazz orchestra with an incredible history, right? 40 years. You have saxophone players like uh, Steve Wood, Mark Lenn, and you have this, uh, our lead trumpet, Mike Williams, is a, it's a big deal, right? He was yeah. 30 years plus lead trumpet player for the Count Basie Big Band. Yeah. And he's kind of a who's who uh, in who's who of jazz. And I could keep going on, go on, go on, and name people like that. So for me, it's super exciting And because my upbringing was jazz. My mother's a jazz singer. My father was a drummer. So it's uh, it's like, I don't know, first love. Yeah, <laughs> you've got so. a background there. And, yeah. um, you know, the thought occurred to me while you were talking, Elaine. I, Zach, when, when you were looking at Elaine and the orchestra and Merwin and everybody was looking at Elaine to be music director, did that play into it at all, his experience as a performer and his jazz experience? I would love to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he even knew about it. <laughs> I, I would say it was one of the happier discoveries uh, yeah. when we started to get to know each other is your, your jazz experience. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase uh, from the Canadian Brass Concert last February. Uh, the trombonist said that he was given a CD in his early career and said, uh, listen to this. It's the finest classical trombonist you'll ever hear. And then later on, he was given a CD and said, listen to this. It's the finest jazz trombonist you'll ever hear. And only later did he realize that both CDs were Alain Trudel. Wow. You know, all that stuff is script, right? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) The check's in the mail. Yeah. But um, (laughs) no editing. (laughs) (laughs) But I I have to say, your love of classical music and jazz Mm -hmm. is so sincere on both sides. And um, I think we've all kind of suffered through uh, classical musicians trying to play jazz and not doing it very well. Mm. Uh, but, But you are not... Among those people, <laughs> I don't believe in in crossover. I mean, you know the the it was very popular in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. The crossover, you know, quote unquote artists. It's not it's not a thing. I mean, you know, some people that's it's my personal view, right? But I, I don't believe it, it really exists. You know, yeah. I think you have people. That's a whole discussion for another. I, uh, I know. Another but, show. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm gonna have like have the people disagree with me, but uh, <laughs> but the thing is that if you can deeply, deeply rooted in different, you can be deeply rooted in different traditions. Mm-hmm. That's possible. You don't have to love only one thing, but you know, you have to pay your dues and everything. If you're gonna do something, you have to pay your dues in it, and you have to. Really, sorry, that's really jazz talk. <laughs> but you're doing, it's like, you know, like, be, um, how could I say, when you said sincere, I mean, that's how I feel about everything I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, the concert sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, this yeah. is the first concert with you as artistic director. First official yeah. concert. I've played with them before, and we all uh, we also have uh, every last uh, Friday of, uh, of the month at uh, Lucille. I, I did the one in August. I'll be back with, with them, but we have a wonderful rhythm section. You have to come and hear them with uh, a few of the trumpets or a trombone, a saxophone that are featured so that you can hear members of the, the jazz orchestra every month. And of course, you can hear them in the, the Tapa series. And, uh, yeah. and we have uh, five concerts this year. One is a Duke Ellington uh, tribute with uh, 
all the the charts, the music from Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra. So that's going to be like first class. And we also have the Art of Art later on the year. But uh, if you if you want, we can come back and talk about that later. You know, Elaine, you said a couple minutes ago um, how the TJO does small ensembles at, at Lucille's. Mm-hmm. And if anybody listening hasn't been to Lucille's, it's a oh, wonderful yeah. space. Uh, Will Lucas has opened up Toll House. Uh, he and Angela have kind of come to this idea that Toledo needed a jazz club again. And if you think about some of the famous jazz clubs of Toledo's past, this is absolutely done in homage to to Rusty's, to, um, to Murphy's. Even um, Jean Holden had her uh, cafe cabaret in the 80s. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's a place where jazz lives again and i'm really happy that we have this in toledo and it's just a beautiful space for yeah, performance great shout out to uh, lucille true the uh, great american songbook program is tomorrow thursday november 17th eight o'clock p.m this is happening at lourdes university so it's in the franciscan center where yes. you performed in the past uh the toledo jazz orchestra elaine trudell is there ramona collins kim bueller and, of course, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. People can get more information on that. Uh, Last-minute tickets available. They can call the box office at 419-246-8000 or check out that Toledo Jazz Orchestra series at toledosymphony.com. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of our podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell, Zach Vasser, and Merwin Sue. I'm Brad Cresswell. This has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.